Hello, my name is Cynthia, and welcome to the latest episode of Getting Your Together, a podcast where we discuss what it's like to get it all the way together, or at least attempt to, one day at a time. Hello, everyone. My name is Cynthia Wright, and welcome to the latest episode. I am joined today with the lovely Robin Clegg Gibson, and she runs the phenomenal Instagram feed, Encounters with Men. I found out about her just, I think I, I actually, someone t- at me or tagged me in one of her posts, and then I just kind of went overboard and just looked at so many of your stories from different people that have DM'd you and things that you've shared about yourself. And and just really, I guess it's one of those things where it felt nice to not feel alone, but mm-hmm. at the same time, very heartbreaking that so many of us have these stories to tell. Mm-hmm. But for those um, that haven't had the opportunity to really look at her feed, please do. She talks a lot about inequality, awareness, very intersectional, very inclusive. And, and I've always, I've, I've just learned a lot just getting exposed to your feed and what you're trying to bring to the audience. So I would love for you to just give a little rundown and introduce yourself if you don't mind. Yeah. So hi, I'm Robin. As you've said, I run Encounters with Men. And I started the page just basically because I was so fed up. I felt like there's not a lot of places to talk about our experiences honestly offline and I didn't see a lot of places really where we could online but I know it's the kind of space where we could if we started something so that's what I went ahead and did just one day can't lie I was so angry my sister had been assaulted on a night out I was livid I'm like right that's it it's time I'd thought for a little while like I need to start talking about some of this stuff we all just carry it alone and that's a really big shame and it doesn't generate any change when we're basically keeping secrets for perpetrators so I wanted to do that but the page has all also developed from a story sharing platform where people would just DM in their encounters with men as I as the page is called mm-hmm. um, I noticed that there was a lot of trends in um, the submissions. I was noticing a lot of patterns and I realized that I have a really unique insight to a lot of, I don't like treating it as data, but a lot of information that could be analyzed. So I've done a little bit of that. I've tried to look for so the type of patterns that can help us to target change in society in a useful way, um, like the step beyond just creating awareness. Um, so I've run a few campaigns along those lines, um, especially looking at like our relationships to the predators, how old were we when these types of things have happened, to really undo a lot of the ideas about you know victim blaming and those types of things. And then more recently, I've really been looking into trauma and trauma responses because that's something that is absolutely part and parcel of these types of experiences and often you know encounters with men if they're going to be negative take the the root of sexual harassment and assault and obviously that's deeply traumatizing I mean it's traumatizing anyway but those things really Mm -hmm. change us and and looking at the way that like our trauma responses are so valid but are often used to like manipulated into suggesting our assault wasn't valid by the wrong people just really I feel like I've babbled but it's gone from a story sharing platform into lots of stats and conversations and trauma as well 
Yeah. And I just, I, I'm curious, like, if you wanted to go more into like anything that you found, like when it comes to patterns and um, especially with trauma responses, I'm definitely really interested in that, how it's kind of opened up your world or your experience. I know that you have your, your thing, your, your assault, your sister was assaulted and yeah. I hope she's doing um, much better. Of course, how has what you started in the campaigns you run impacted you directly? Um, I think the biggest thing for me personally is I have such a harsh handle on myself. Things that I know I can't like deeply apply to sort of the way that I innately understand myself in relationship to the world. I I was assaulted at a really young age by a cousin who just not conveniently for this type of conversation was a female. Mm-hmm. She is the same age as me, which just also makes this a lot more complicated. But mm-hmm. regardless of that, it just deeply changed the way that I view myself from a really young age and at an age that we can't like regulate those thoughts, we can't critique them. So I feel like deep within me is this idea. Well, it, it's like it's mo- it's more than an idea because consciously my ideas know that it wasn't my fault like I know that I'm not dirty I know that I don't deserve everything I get and those types of horrible narratives but I know they're the narratives that a lot of survivors really share and as people speak to me I always take the time to give them a lovely response just picking up on whatever it is that they've said they feel and reminding them that actually no it isn't your fault you aren't the common denominator you don't attract these weirdos and I realized actually that these are things that I could be taking more time to say to myself Mm -hmm. Um, because I'm just so harsh I don't give myself permission to to really if I'm you know if I'm down for a day I'm always like no no you know get get mm-hmm. through it today. So I have a down yeah. five minutes and then we're back on it and that's not reasonable I'm such a huge advocate for permission for other people just give yourself permission you grieve in you grieve in like what could have been and that's the biggest thing to grieve and it's all that possibility that we feel like we've lost and I give out great advice to other people and forget to give it to myself <laughs> yes Yes. I think that's always the hardest to try to say like, oh, I mean, because I've, I've been in a similar boat with you, like give this out the great advice. But then if someone's like, well, take that and apply it to you. And I'm like, I have no idea what you're talking about. Like what? <laughs> like, no, that's not how this works. <laughs> but from what you said, uh, I'm and I'm sorry for what happened to you as well, but you said that it changed how you viewed yourself. Did you, outside of being overly critical, and I think something that a lot of people we. I feel like when something as traumatic has happened, I know that I have struggled with this as learning how to be more self-compassionate to myself. And I think when I, I didn't learn that actually, I'm, I'm in my thirties, but I didn't learn that into my way into my thirties until I got really, I got sober and I was in recovery and I learned about self-compassion and forgiveness. And like, you can't really extend yourself like the way that you want to until you really start to handle your own stuff. But from your viewpoint, how, did you act out in any sort of way outside of like the whole not knowing, not being compassionate to yourself, not taking that time that you needed to be as kind to yourself as you were to other people? Did you like, how did that resonate? And well, how did that show itself? I should say. Yeah, no, it showed itself in really, really self-destructive ways. And, you know, that happened at a really early age and it a whole load of things sort of meshed together, really. I had a dreadful relationship with my dad and he was quite, well, he was very emotionally abusive, to put that lightly. At times physically, but mostly that was around me rather than uh, with me, with my family members. And it all, those, those particular things, because they were in my formative years, created this weird cycle of me being an absolutely gross human who 
you know, didn't deserve anything nice, was the cause of all the world's problems, not just my own. And then this cycle where actually that nothing I did was good enough. So I could Mm. do anything. I could do anything I wanted. I would still be in big trouble. (laughs) And it was this cycle that then with other types of sexual assault later on, which I I, I've been sexually assaulted more times than I would even like to count um, yeah. in a lot of really abusive relationships. I realized that the best way, I mean, not at home, thankfully, but the best way with those types of people was sex to, mm. to stay safe. If I gave them what they wanted, if I just said yes to everything, appeased them 100% of the time, maybe I would be safe. So I would just offer sex to any friend, <laughs> literally mm-hmm. not offer it. It was like, as soon as it became on the cards, I became available. Yeah, um, I know what you mean. I know exactly what you mean. I totally get yeah, it. Yeah. Um, yeah. And just thinking like sex meant worth and mm-hmm. safe and weird, weird relationship with sex in every single way. And then obviously that fed back into the guilt cycle, which meant that I needed to make myself feel good some more so you know where's my work oh it's sex so off I go back out again (laughs) and then oh feeling shit again and just going around in this huge cycle until I got into this really dreadful relationship when I was 19 with a definite psychopath a definite psychopath uh, who's now in prison wow Um, oh okay (laughs) this is trigger warning time he's in prison because he stabbed me um oh yeah just normal normal day-to-day relationship stuff I'm so sorry no I'm really I mean I'm glad he's away I'm glad he got put away yeah same he he's not the kind of guy who I mean I'm open to it but he's not the kind of guy who I would think just needs a bit of light rehabilitation and and can carry on he needs he needs some serious help yeah I'm glad he's away um and I ended up in that situation and, and I would say that was my most rock bottom I definitely went to sex after that as my as my crutch perhaps and just felt like gross because that was that was a different type of violation of my body it was one that I'd never experienced before thankfully and I just I was just looking at myself and thinking like mate it that this isn't it like whatever this is this is not it and then I was just in denial um (laughs) but I was just acting out using sex as a way to be vicious towards myself and probably towards other people do you see so do you see like sex as a form of like maybe like addiction or anything like that because I include into the fact that you said like your rock bottom which is key in like a lot of the recovery circles and stuff that I'm in and I also had, I've had a lot of, I mean, I mean, anyone who knows me and knows the show, like I talk about my, my addiction from alcohol, but I've also had a lot of stuff like food and sex was one, another one for me. Yeah. And I really tapped into what you're saying about like you, having that being your worth or seeing that as your worth, because that's what I thought I could offer. If I yeah. couldn't be like a friendly shoulder to lean on and to, to, for you to vent to and give you my advice, I would also wanted you to like me then I thought that was all I could do was offer up sex to you like you know even if I didn't want it even if I didn't like necessarily like you but I wanted you to like me or felt like that's all I had to of value was that Mm -hmm. so I was curious to see and I later come to realize that that was just a cycle of another addictive type of cycle for me none of that stuff actually resonated with me until I stopped drinking because a lot of it was for me I would do these uh, these self-destructive patterns whether it was like food or whether it was sex and Mm -hmm. using my body or having my body be used basically and then I would hide in alcohol because I didn't want to face or didn't really want to face like you know why 
I treated myself this way or why I allowed these things or why I felt that this was the only way I was going to be useful to people. And my rock bottom was, of course, with alcohol, but then it triggered like all this other stuff that I also had to realize during the course of being sober, just like how my body um, was just a, I guess, like a breeding ground for just fucked up shit for such a long time. Yeah. Yeah. That completely resonates with me. I think like that addictive cycle and, and it sort of feels right. We kind of trauma bond with our own, own self-destruct in that way. I think that we, that we, it sort of feels right to have trauma present in our body because we're so conditioned to accept it and that to feel like it's normal because, you know, as I said, home was quite volatile, like volatility feels like the presence of something and contentness is kind of the opposite. It's the absence of any sort of elation. It's the absence of any sort of rock bottom um you know heartbreaking situation and and sitting with contentness is is actually really difficult when you've been through loads of shit and I would often feed into that like oh I'm feeling a bit all right something's missing and feed into this cycle of of just not being able to sit comfortably in in peace and mm. find another way to to open my body up and and not I didn't like get myself involved but stayed present in really toxic circles where like nothing good could come from it but I also low-key didn't want it to like deep within not consciously but yeah I think that's it there's some sort of addiction there to volatility um if that makes sense no it totally makes sense and I like that's something else I didn't really understand like trauma bonds and if you want to give a definition to the audience feel free but I didn't really understand any of that stuff actually until I got sober and I got clean because I wasn't just in the mental space to do that. And I actually come from a, my mom was very emotionally abusive and like my dad allowed that and, you know, and stuff like that. So I didn't come from the best. And I think I was, like you said, you kind of, during your formative years, you want your parents, you want your people that are close to you to like, like you understand you. And when you're not getting that, and you're being put down and you're being pushed away and you're being like, you know, isolated and stuff like that from people when you really want to connect, then, you know, the only type of attention that I remember receiving positively was from men when it came to like my body. Yeah, definitely. And we're not really like, especially in formative years, we're not at an age or like developmentally. We hadn't been, I personally haven't been given a great insight into what a healthy relationship could possibly look like based on what we had at home. I would often think that that validation in those moments where you'd share sex with somebody was was it like that was that was the top level validation and connection you could actually get. But then with time, I came to realize that like for me, I mean, some people can have great meaningless sex, but for me, I was looking for meaning in sex. Therefore, mm. it was meaningless, like I was not getting out of it what I wanted to get out of it, which and what I thought I was getting out of it and believing that for so long. It's it's really, yeah, it, it's still now I have definitely had to really, really fight in, in healthy relationships, adult relationships, consenting relationships to think like, oh, that's that person's sad like I'll cheer them up with sex and then I'm like Hank no (laughs) (laughs) I mean hey I know (laughs) but yeah I totally understand I totally relate to that just because Mm -hmm. that's if that's all you know or you or been led to know unfortunately that's kind of like your default is to go to what you know and it's, I don't even think you're aware of it just because it's like just something that you do. Yeah. 
yeah, you know. embedded at this point and it's it's all the energy that everybody else can put into like actual stuff I feel like I still have to put into like sitting with a little notepad and monitoring all the things that I'm thinking and doing and saying so that I can pick up on it and have a chat with myself later it's it's really exhausting to start noticing you know what you're doing and then actively trying to reverse those thought cycles and I feel like you go a long way backwards before you go forwards because you have to go like backwards in time unlearning all the layers of shit and then you think well this isn't worth it like I feel like I'm five years old again I know nothing and and it's so easy to go back to what you were already doing because those things also feel adult and Mm -hmm. I really fulfilled an adult role throughout my childhood also and thinking like adult is the goal like you know you don't want to be called childish and that was one of my dad's favorite insults you're just immature you're pathetic those types of baby words I hated um then my younger sister like really fell in a lot of he really hated her no I just I can't come back to the life of me no why and it just breaks my heart he hated her and my mum you know like you said about your dad allowing it my mum allowed it in a lot of ways and in other ways she was the victim too so I'm not mad but I parented my sister in a lot of ways um and still now um to be honest and feeling like well sex is adult I'm fulfilling this adult role of parenting people and it just felt very um like I'm not getting any gratification from unlearning all this stuff going all the way back in time to start learning again from being basically a child um and working with my inner child as as myself and it's so tempting to just head back there and think well at least people like me when I'm doing all their emotional labor and do (laughs) having sex with them all the time (laughs) I know and I I feel like are we like one and the same? Maybe we're kindred spirits in some kind of way, but <laughs> because it's like, yes, yes. And yes, I, I felt like that too, actually. And I've been in therapy for years and years and years, but I feel like I was just in therapy, but I wasn't really participating in it. I was just saying, I just go and talk and then I just go on about my day and I would still do fucked up shit, you know? Yeah. And then I was like, well, I'll go talk about it in my therapist with my therapist and, you know, that's what you do. But then I was like, you know, my therapist is like, you're going to have to put the work in one day. And I'm like, I'm good. You know, uh, <laughs> I am. I'm talking. I don't talk to people. I'm talking. But, you know, when I got sober and it's like, I agree with you so much with the whole, like, you have to go back through everything, which is the hard stuff, which no one really wants to do. And I get it because it sucks. Mm-hmm. But you have to go back through it and then go back to it like through all the way to the beginning or as far as you can go go through it and understand it and then really understand like how you work and like that learning to cope with like your inner child is so key to all of this and it sucks because then you have to really confront like so many things like I thought because I'm like you know I was older I'm like you know I'm at this point this point in time in my life what I do is on me and it's me like I make those decisions those are my choices which is true I do stand by that but then I had to see like But I was taught back then, you know, how to react and do things a certain way. It just manifests how I choose to how it manifests now is my choice. Yes. But I learned that thinking from somewhere in some situation. And when I went back and started going through this, I didn't realize that how much anger I had about things because I was like I'm not angry like or I'm angry for a little bit and then I let it go but then I would go and do like you know crazy shit I would go like you know have like go fuck this person thinking that'll make me feel better and make them feel better if they're having a moment like like how you were saying if they're having a bad day or I was having a bad day or I would go and get drunk for like a whole week and thinking that was normal because you know that's what people do right you know and for me to really understand that like going through 
and having to really like sit with my, a lot of my family stuff with like me and my mom and my mom passed away. So I can't really like hash it out with her. But so, so kindred, you know, everything <laughs> you're saying, but carry on. Just as soon as you said that, I was like, what? But please carry on. Like, I just need to say that. <laughs> but yes. I was like, and I was like, I can't take it. I couldn't have, I can't hash it out with her. Yeah. And like, I have my father and, and he has stepped up in a big way when he realized I was in recovery and stuff, yeah. but it's still like, I didn't realize just how much anger I had. Cause I was sort of like, I wasn't, and I, when people talk about like my brother, who's, he's younger than me too, my brother. And he talks about our childhood and I would just be like, okay. Like, and he would say things like, yeah, you and I did and blah, blah, blah. And mom and dad. And I'd be like, yeah, I mean, I guess I was there since you're saying I was and you wouldn't yeah. just lie, but I don't remember that. Mm-hmm. Or if I remember it, it wasn't that way at yeah. all. Yeah. And and then I, and then I didn't realize, and I was just so angry. Cause I was like, I felt like I didn't really get the opportunity to be a child. Cause I felt like I had to hold my mom's stuff. Cause she was angry at my father. So I was her therapist. My yeah. dad would tell me stuff and I'm like, I'm five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, 10, whatever, like years old. Yeah. Why do I know all this? Why do I have to be responsible for all this or made to feel like I had to be responsible for that? absolutely completely completely resonate it's I'm going to probably just say the same thing back but (laughs) I know exactly what you mean like sitting with anger and my dad like you I mean he died that's when I chimed in like what like he's also died and he died last year and it was just such an awful thing to feel a level of relief Mm. and I thought it was going to be the end of that chapter I was thinking like like I'm going to be able to breathe now I need a break like but actually it was he was perhaps unintentionally perhaps intentionally the limit on me being a hundred percent me because I'd just fallen into the trap of being the easiest version of myself at home that would piss him off least and because I knew that worked I was just doing Mm -hmm. everything else um and I just this year has been a roller coaster of thinking like, oh my God, like I actually have to figure who I am out. And I don't know. Like I, I just don't know. It's it's really hard. Like the glass ceiling of of my personality has just removed. And I'm like, oh, I actually get to exist as me and I can speak as loud as I want in my own house and I can watch telly and I can eat with both feet on my chair if I want like because he had these weird rules and he would like police Mm. things day to day and he'd like punch the table and be like why have you not got your knife in your hand at the same time as your fork and I'd be like uh what (laughs) like what what and so yeah you'd be in the biggest amount of trouble and you're the most disgusting human and he can't even stand the sight of you because you got up without saying please may I finish like please may I leave the table or something it's like but I've never said that in my life I'm 12 like where'd that come from and and suddenly I can do whatever I want and I'm like hang on I actually have no idea what I want to do so there's been again some self-destruct this year that and I'm so much better at noticing and preventing and intervening but just feeling like I can go wild like I can do anything I want and and my default of things that I seem to want to do is hurt myself so I I like have really had to engage with that this year and and it's probably just all the anger as you said coming out in these crazy ways because I can't take it to him and say like bro you fucked me up 
but he he would never if I'd have said it I mean I tried many times say it to his face he would never have ever listened and it's like realizing mm-hmm. I actually have to sit with my anger permanent life to get rid of it but I can't put my anger on anybody else it's it's now all mine and and that's really really hard like I can't confront him and I was always thinking like maybe in the future I'll I'll find a way to say something and he'll just get it and that's probably really deluded I bet he wouldn't have but I just I just always thought like one day he'll just be like do you know what I'm dead sorry that child inside me just really wanted that but I'm never ever going to get that you wanted that validation you wanted to just be seen for who you are and I think as children that's what you, what you want from your parents is they brought you in there you have to trust them you know mm-hmm. and I've read I don't know if I was read I read this quote or uh, someone told it to me but mm-hmm. they said the only true version of a condition unconditional love is from a child to their parent and not necessarily vice versa mm. and for whatever reason like that st- stuck with me you know because yeah. like at the like when I was a child like I love my parents unconditionally and I love my dad and everything like that and I love my mom too but I don't and I think she loved me in the way that she could which mm. wasn't a healthy way but I don't know if she necessarily liked me but I don't know if she knew how to rationalize why she didn't like me, you know? Mm-hmm. And I feel like I was, I talked about this out in therapy because my therapist is like on me for this. And I was like, leave me the fuck alone. But, mm-hmm. but I think she was saying like, you know, a lot of times like parents can be threatened of their children and they don't know why, Yeah. you know, I do. like I something think- in you challenged something in him that he yeah. just wasn't able to recognize within himself. And then mm-hmm. he put it on you you know, which is still, it's, it's fucked up and not right. When I started thinking through stuff like that, I, cause like, I couldn't confront my mom and be like, fuck you, you know, cause I, that's what I wanted to do. I had to learn to come to terms with it in that way of just myself, just so I could let a lot of this shit go. And it's, and acknowledge the fact that what happened to me wasn't right. Cause for the longest time I was saying like, well, that's what families do. Families have their, sh- everybody, there's no fa- perfect family. Everybody mm-hmm. has their stuff. You know, I, mm-hmm. you know, I was a perfect child and, and then, and then I was in there thing, but I was a child. I was learning. Yeah. You're not supposed to be perfect as a child either. Like it's the time, the time that you have all the freedom to make the mistakes without it having like, I mean, as long as you don't do anything like dead hideous without it having the consequences and, and just existence sounds like it had a lot of consequences because something rubbed your mum and my dad up the wrong way. And just our existence had these consequences. It was like, right, well, can't really do anything then. So yeah, I know. It teaches us like we're always trying to learn about ourselves and our place in the world. And, and it teaches us that our place in the world is not a very likable one. And whoever it is that you are to bring to the world, like I, I'm your dad, I don't like you. And I'm, the, I'm really supposed to. So you haven't really got any chance with anybody else is kind of what it taught me. And, and yeah, I know. That's, yeah. I mean, oh my gosh, I feel like I wish we were a person to have this conversation. Oh my goodness. <laughs> but yes, and I think that's really hard to r- recognize or rationalize because it's like the people that brought me here don't even like me as a person or seem to not like me as a person. Then huh, who do I, I have like, you know, I have no opportunity or no chance with people that don't know me. So I need to figure out what they do, what they like and conform or give them that. Yeah. Yeah. You know, 
this is where like prejudices and discrimination etc in society is coming for me because you know male power is just men are so powerful male power is it and you know there was like the man in, in my family had all the power and it just made so much sense to me I was like I know who to target to be liked it's men what do men want sex and you know plot twist I'm actually gay I really don't like men what, what on earth was I doing <laughs> oh I didn't know that you were gay I'm queer oh, yeah so are you yes <sighs> We're on a level. We are. <laughs> because I, I can see the formula I did in my head, like the maths, like is there, man hates me at home, men have power in society, I'm going to turn up, I'm going to put my moves on the men, they're going to love it, and I'm going to get through life just fine. And why, why, when I don't even like men, would I do that? <laughs> Please let me know, like, I'm livid, I'm so fuming. And this is where I start in the cycle of like, well, it is my fault, because because I did that. But also, as you were saying before, like, I know exactly what experiences walked me into engaging in that and although yeah I I did make that decision and I'm taking control of not still making those decisions it it kind of isn't freely my fault no you learned it from somewhere you learned it from somewhere yeah or you know that seed's planted deep it may be planted deep in there but it's you know I feel like a lot of this stuff is if you trace it back and I and that's why I say like a lot of people when you really sit and think with yourself when I got sober like I was a train wreck. Like I was just a shit show. And it's like from the outside, you wouldn't know. Cause you know, I'm, I'm like, you know, I have a career and I, I'm functioning. I have an apartment and blah, blah, blah. But I was just a mess. And when I had my series of, when I had my rock bottom, it was sort of like, hold on one second. Let me make sure. Oh, okay. No, when, but yeah, but I was a mess. But like when I had my rock bottom and I got sober and I was in recovery And I decided, like, I decided for me, which was something that was very hard for me to do, I decided just to be with myself, you know, and not entertain people, not try to get into a relationship, because I knew that as soon as I try to do something like that, my attention would divert to them, just because it would be easier for me to be like, well, I'm gonna go fix to help this person and be there and a support for them and just discount everything. And I know that that whole time that I was single, that I chose to finally just be single. And I sat there and I looked at the things that I would do in certain situations. And it was not pleasant. Like it was just like how, but not just like romantic relationships though. Like I looked at just like how I was in relationships with people in general, like my family, with my friends, with like my significant others and the type of people I would get with and the things that I would do and like how it feel. Like I had to do all that type of work to really understand me and what motivated me or what didn't motivate me. And I made myself feel that that's what I should want, you know, if that makes sense. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. I, you know, when I start looking at myself in the the clearest of day, I don't always like what I see. And I think as well, like, I don't know, I don't know if this is always true, but I'm going to say it as if it is that what we have around us does kind of what we choose to invite around us, let's say, does kind of reflect a little bit on who we are. And so I've had so many god awful, toxic friendships that like I'm like this is my best friend in the whole world we love each other to pieces and then we'll row all night and then no we still love each other so much and like 
you know, I am actually engaging in that toxic cycle. I mean, thankfully, I'm not in these cycles anymore, but it has been so recent in the last sort of year or two that I've like really put to bed things that like, I, I was so quick to say like, well, that friend's the toxic one. You hate this. You're just arguing because they've done this, that and the other. And it's like, well, why are you actually still in a relationship then? Like, why are you actually, when they haven't replied to you for three days after a horrible row, being like, I'm really sorry. Why, why are you not just putting it to bed, Robin? Like, I just, I have these chats with myself a lot. Like, that's why I'm saying it in third person. But like, I have to like, and you know, I also, being in the environment I've been in at home, gaslighting, manipulation, mm-hmm. All of those things are really, really default to me. So, because it, it works. That's that's the thing. It really, really works. Like, if you don't want to be held accountable for something that you've done because it was just you acting out trauma and you really didn't mean it and you are sorry, but you don't want to be held accountable because hurt people do hurt people. And we have to get out of that. We don't have permission. But we, we, we act like that for a while. I certainly did. You know, have to sort of say to myself, like, like you've, you've got to stop this because... You're just doing everything that the person you hate, who obviously hated you, taught you to do because it works. I, I don't know if I explained that very well. I'm guessing no, no, no. You're repeating the cycle. It's like yeah. it's just, it's like the it's a trauma abuse cycle. You're just repeating it because that's what you know. Yeah, yeah, and it's it's really yeah, exactly. It's really hard to get out of, and then you it confirms you know I'm talking a lot about cycles today it just confirms that like actually I did not treat that person right and and therefore I do deserve everything that I've ever got and you know they're not the same things and I don't know what other people's belief systems are like and I absolutely always respect other people's belief systems but I have chosen for myself that I don't believe that I get what I deserve because I I just don't believe that I deserved to be raised like this I don't believe that I deserve to be assaulted at such a young age I'd never put a single bad thing out into the world but something horrible happened to me and I've had to come to that like belief principle for now at least to prevent myself getting in a cycle where I think like because I I am like doomsday woman I like completely completely take everything to the worst degree possible in terms of myself only (laughs) and will think that you know I was a bit rude that day therefore next time I get assaulted it was probably because of that like I know it's senseless and to anybody else I'd say like that babes that's so senseless like you know that isn't why that happened but it's what it creates in mind in my mind and just for every reason I had to break that cycle just had to how did you get to that point to break that cycle though like what what made you say to yourself like that have that belief system because I feel like that's something I mean I feel like that's very hard to do to say like you know what I didn't deserve any of that I don't deserve bad things to happen to me I do I may acknowledge the fact that I do bad things and everything like that but I didn't deserve that that's not part of my story because I didn't I didn't choose for that to happen you know how did you come about like thinking like that or saying like you know I'm gonna stand in my belief just because of people that have a lot of history of trauma and I know that I mean for me I didn't come to that easily to say like I didn't deserve that like I for like probably up until like I said when I a lot of stuff happened to me when I got into recovery and when I could actually say stuff like that out loud other than that I was very big on conditional saying like well I, I don't think I deserved it but I did this and I would anger her this way and maybe I was you know too you know so I would always put conditional statements around things and I found it interesting that you you made a choice an active choice to say like no that's not 
what I'm going to do. Yeah, I think that I've had to just stop with the lying to myself because it's exhausting. I think that at a certain point, naturally, I, well, I was getting very burnt out. Burnout is a problem that I really struggle with and it comes in different forms, basically depending on what I'm doing at different times. And I, I was getting very burnt out with my relationship with myself and had to sort of start noticing just organically from that, that I was exhausted. And I realized that, you know, I tried to take a little bit of a step back and think like, well, why? Like we, I can't really be exhausted with me. Like I I am going to be me forever. So like we better work this one out. And just, just from that exhaustion and realizing the amount of labor that I put into feeling my feelings and creating stuff around them and and rationalizing this and that and thinking, well, hang on, does it actually need rationalizing and and I just always and I still do this but I I decided at a certain point to write down like the facts and my feelings so my feelings that I deserve everything that I've ever had okay so we'll go to the beginning we're going to go to sexual assault aged three why did I deserve that and like I didn't have an answer and you know as I was saying about this page has really helped me to apply advice that I'd give to other people to myself Mm -hmm. I had to say like on what planet, now really, on what planet would I ever tell somebody who was assaulted at age three that it, it could possibly be their fault? Because there's, how, how, like, how, mm-hmm. like, and it, and I, I sort of had that moment where I was like, yeah, how could it be? And it, it therefore isn't. And I'm just a really big believer that, like, for something to be a fact, it has to be applicable to mm-hmm. To all situations that it could be applied to. And that is a fact. That is a fact. I did not cause that at three. I just had to say to myself that, like, look, if you didn't cause that, how on earth could you have caused anything else? And, you know, with what you were saying about, like, maybe you did anger her. I I definitely angered my dad. I definitely irritated the living daylights out of him because we were so different. Like, I was just loud and he he wanted to be loud, but he had to be the loudest. Like, I was just loud. I was Mm -hmm. just boisterous fun like I I just wanted things to be done right I wanted them to be done now and he just couldn't be bothered with me I think possibly he was at a stage in his life where he didn't want a child well (laughs) just how can I but anyway so naturally had two more (laughs) so he had me and my sister and he'd already had four children before he got with my mum because there was this big age gap between the two of them oh Um, wow yeah huge age gap and she was 21 when she met a 36 year old man Um, wow okay So a very emotionally abusive, manipulative, who would use massive displays of aggression around her to keep her in line, basically. And, you know, that's what I mean when I say she was a victim. She really was. So I'm going off on a tangent there, but basically, as much as I could irritate him as just a child living out my life, I wasn't nasty. I wasn't evil. Like, there's nothing evil about, you know, (laughs) eating my Easter egg and not asking him if he wanted any like that yeah. that would cause like a huge row like all of those he was not evil and and even if I did annoy him what I deserved was for him to handle that appropriately and that's that's sort of how I'm rationalizing it like the guy who stabbed me I truly don't know for the life of me why and I'm not trying to find out because there's no reason that anyone deserves getting stabbed ever you know even if I did deeply piss him off even if I did something like cheat on him which he didn't but if I did you don't stab someone for that and you just have to be like he deserved to be angry if I had done something which I hadn't but if I had (laughs) he deserved to be angry but I didn't deserve to get stabbed because of it that's not Mm -hmm. natural progression just separating out like the facts and the feelings like 
and trying to do that all the time. Like, I feel like everybody hates me. Okay, well, the facts are my friends are always checking up on me and they're really honest people. So I think I'd know. So yeah, I've been the feeling and I just have to be really harsh. Like, thank the feeling for coming to me. Thank you. I'm aware that this is your concern. And I literally speak to it like this, sometimes in the mirror. Like, thank you for letting me know. Um, I'll look into it now, get my piece of paper out and I write down my little <laughs> crime scene investigation. No. And I, the logical conclusion that my friends actually don't hate me. And I scrunch the piece of paper up and I put it in the bin and I'm like, that is that is a dead thought now <laughs> that's just happening. I love that though that you put it in the, you put it in the bin and it's a dead thought like I love that I love that I think how that's awesome you, how do you manage um all those like irrational type thoughts uh, I would say I'm similar to you I used a lot of I mean I was in therapy but I would say honestly I did a lot of what you were doing. Like I picked up this book and I talk about it on my podcast, Self-Compassion by Kristen Neff. And I always say like that book saved me, like just my mind. It had like a lot of exercises and stuff that, and I'm not the type of chick to really be into like, I'm gonna go do these exercises in this book. I'm like, I'll read it, but I'm gonna be like, nah, I'm good, you know? But I said, I'm gonna do something different and really do the work and put the work in and time. And a lot of it had to do with writing. Like I had a, write like a letter to myself. Um, like I had to write a letter about how I saw myself, like truly how I saw it myself. And similar to you with like those irrational thoughts. So, so I let all of them come because like you said, it is very exhausting because they're always there. But I just let them all come out and I was like crying and I was like, oh, you know, writing a, this letter to myself. And then the second part of this exercise was like, like talk to like everything that you said, you know, imagine that's a person and then talk to them like they were a child and they were feeling that. What would you say to them? If a child came to you and said, I feel, I feel unloved and I feel, you know, I feel old and I feel, you know, all this stuff. And, yeah. and I did that and really like, and the words of like, just the kindness and stuff that I was saying to myself, like it really just helped frame my thinking, how my default is like, go, I go to this really dark place where mm-hmm. in reality, I looked back and just started seeing myself like, you know, I'm a human, I have flaws and I have all these things, but I have like, but I'm still worth, like, I still deserve good things and good people and good laughs and relationships and stuff like that. Good times. And then I learned to also, similar to you, mm. the realis- realism in what I'm experiencing. Something happens to me, like if someone, I have like a difficult conversation with somebody and then I automatically go into like, well, what did I do? What did I do? What did I do? Yeah. You know, I did this, you know, what did I do? But then I have to sit there and take a step back. And that's why, and I, I do that and I, I take a step back and I say, okay, what really happened? What was my, what was their part? What was my part in this? And then that helps me not go into that, that spiral. Cause as soon as I start going into that spiral, then I just, I keep going. And then like another thought comes in and adds, it becomes like this big cluster of just okay. negative darkness. And then that's when I'm just like, you know, I'm going to go and call somebody or I'm going to go and to the bar and yeah. then I'm just to see what happens. Whatever happens, happens. If you don't mind me asking, how old are you? I'm 26. I commend you for being able to see that stuff now. A couple of years ago, if someone tried to talk to me like this, I'd be like, what the fuck are you on? Like, no. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I do still have to really tell myself off sometimes. Like if I get, you know, even, you know, on the page, if a troll turns up, I have to go put the phone down because you know I I can be really confrontational it's fine to confront things but as I was saying like 
I have to do that in the right way. And especially on the page, like it gives me that extra incentive because it, it has to be professional. This is a safe space. Respectfully, I get dead irritated when pages are like, oh, we are a safe space. We absolutely value survivors here. And then like they keep trolls on the page or they display really vicious arguments themselves. And I do not want to fall in that trap. I need to make sure that like any message that I could ever send could actually get like doxed out on my accounts and I could say like yes I I'm, I did say that and that's like my policy to my friends and everything as well if somebody put this on encounters with men could you stand by what you said there and I do have to sort of intervene you know like when my ego wants to reply and my initial gut reaction to most things is usually let's do this if you're about to go there then I'm about to drive the car right over the cliff like you know I'm <laughs> that's kind of like how I'm wired to go and I was like, I had to really take a step, especially with social media and stuff like that, just really take a step back and just be like, a lot of people can say whatever they want on social media, but will they say that, yeah. say it to your face? So like yeah. I, anything that I say on social media, I will have no problem saying to your face. And that's kind of how I carry it. But then a lot of the times when you see other people, but like you said, like you were saying earlier, hurt people, hurt people. A lot of people are miserable and they want to keep spreading it around. And I had to learn to be like, you know, what? it's not my, that's not my fight. That's not my fight in this. Yeah. And it's, yeah. it's hard. Yeah. No, they don't, they like that. That I think that's what they turn up for, those types of people. I think they do come for the engagement. And I quite frequently have like the one message policy. If I send them a really well thought out response, I say like respectfully, you know, of course, men get insulted. <laughs> There's so many men on this page who've shared the stories. I absolutely care. I'm so sorry for what you've experienced quite often. Like I, I got sexually assaulted. Do I not matter to you? I'm like, oh, what? Of course, like absolutely, of course. But I see that it comes from a place of hurt or ignorance. I always try and resonate with them on on a really empathetic level. And if I can't get anywhere with them, I just bin the conversation because if if I'm not going to get anywhere with them in one really well thought out message, I'm not going to waste my time trying to take them back to it's just it's exhausting and there's people like including myself that need my time I'm working on time prioritization like emotional time in particular at the minute for myself and thinking like you're not getting my emotional time you're not getting my emotional energy after this point because some people are just downright nasty and they're, they're, they're there to be nasty and I do have a question for you when it comes to like encounters with men and men um, that are victims of assault do you yeah. see yourself putting those stories on your page or do you see that as being like are you going to evolve encounters with men or are you are you fine with how it is right now yeah so there are a lot of men on the page who have submitted but quite often they're trans men who I think like perhaps these trolls maybe they're transphobic I don't know maybe they don't think of it as real or non-binary folks I think quite often that response in particular maybe just I don't know but I I do like to I, I welcome absolutely any man who wants to share their encounter at all times to share on the page because I think it's such a massive problem that still isn't being talked about enough I, I wish I had a way to attract more to the page I think like I almost I don't but I do almost regret calling it encounters with men because I think it on site puts a few people off but it is about encounters with men it is about what men do oh, it's so hard I just I really would love any men who have got an experience that they'd like to share with another man in any capacity to come forward and I've also looked a little bit into considering encounters with women just as like a, a week-long campaign type thing but I'm afraid of falling into a trap because you know that pattern violence is is different 
and it's so valid and it's, it's a huge problem but it is just very slightly different because it hasn't got the exact same backing from the whole of society low-key encouraging them to do it it's kind of then like on the other side of thing like gaslighting victims of women and and things like that but it's so worth doing I think I'm just gonna take my time to figure out how to do an encounters with women campaign in the best way possible and do that in its own time and in the meantime just any men like please do submit because because it's so it's so worthwhile hearing those stories yeah I I agree I wish that I feel like there would be a lot less anger in the world if people were just honest and open about who they are, their experiences and what they went up against. And like, there is a lot of level of shame when it comes to men being victimized. And I think that is, it's heartbreaking for me to feel like they can't because they feel like from a societal, which I feel like societal needs to, we need to rethink how we redo things anyway, because look at what's happening in the world. But is it really, is that really proof that what we're doing as a society is like, you know, helping everyone that lives here? I mean, come on, come on now. Um, who think this is going well? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Who's thinking this is going well? <laughs> One guy thinks this is going well. Because <laughs> um, it's not the people that I know. So, no. and I would love to hear, like, have that. Be, and I also think that having encounters with women too, because I think that's something that would be interesting. A lot of people, because I've had, I had, I would definitely have something to share if you did something like that too. You know. And I think that needs to be looked at as well, just because mm-hmm. that that can be just as traumatizing, devastating, hurtful yeah. too, you know, yeah. and then feeling like you can't really speak out about it or you don't know how to speak out or you don't think it's going to really be seen as yeah. as hurtful, you know. Yeah, no, I so agree. There's, and there's a gap in the, I don't want to say market because we don't, we, this isn't marketable, but there's a gap in the there's a gap waiting for this type of discussion about encounters with women to really be discussed and there must be so many people just feeling like well no one wants to hear what happened to me and carrying it and that's that's terrible you're saying you're gonna run a campaign like what else are you hoping to do like where do you see this going or where would you like it to go well I I don't make any money off the page um and I also don't have a job so this is not long-term sustainable and I put like I I can't express how much it is a full-time job um like I just haven't had a day off ever so I really need to work on generating something bigger and what I have come up with based on skills and experience is an organization where individuals would be able to receive sort of coaching where we can think about how to shift our mindsets how to achieve their goals whatever it is because I'm very aware that a lot of coaching and things like that which is so valuable isn't necessarily tailored towards the way that survivors do do things differently get up in the morning go for a run then we're going to come back we're going to smash it out and I'm like that sounds so amazing for people who are able to group survivors will we're just sort of not always able to do that and a lot of that the time then well I think there's a really big gap in the market that's what we'll say and then going in at a higher level to work with organizations and professionals to help them to be giving out good advice and to help them to be creating spaces that are intersectional and inclusive and informed because I really think we have a huge problem with with a reluctance we have a culture that doesn't want to change we have a culture that does not want to open itself up to really allowing every single person there to flourish and be safe and I think they you know can look around like cool we've hired that gay guy and we've hired some brown people Mm -hmm. they check the box done and that is that's not it (laughs) 
Um, <laughs> so helping them, because I think a lot of people really do want to do it, but they've ticked the box and they think then they're done. So helping that and hopefully being able to charge organisations to, and especially schools, I've noticed, as I was saying, I've analyzed a lot of things schools and those types of organizations have a huge problem again with ticking boxes in terms of safeguarding they'll like be confident they've reported this to the right space they haven't led the person anywhere when they've asked the questions and they think that's the end of the story and it is absolutely not supporting survivors beyond safeguarding is is a hugely important thing and I've got loads of experience working in schools it's what I was doing for the years before I quit (laughs) so being able to charge an organization like a school or you know the NHS here in England social services and things like that to be able to support them to actually give support and challenging individual stereotypes as well would be I think very beneficial and hopefully profitable because I am known for coming up with a big idea and forgetting that I might not be able to make any money on it so you know you just do it if that's where your heart is and what you feel called to do because it sounds like you know you sound very passionate about it and I think there is definitely an experience with this and I personally just as me as a person as Cynthia I love people that have like Unfortunately, you have a lot of experience and background in what you're speaking of, but I feel like that's also why you should be the one helping because it's like, you know, this is what I like. It could be like, this is what I wish I received, or this is what I've learned and everything like that. Like you have like skin in the game and you have a point of reference and it makes people feel more safe and relatable to you yeah hopefully anyway I do feel like um the best type of person to approach this type of thing is someone with personal experience because it can be so condescending when somebody's like yeah I know how you feel and like you 1000% do not there's no use in that so yeah you know it's one of the I don't want to say I don't know how to word this I am thankful for the skill set that I have out of these awful situations and I would definitely like to be able to utilize them to help other people and make their journey a little bit easier than mine has been. I hope, I really hope that you go forward with this because I mean, I definitely support it and I think that's something that's definitely needed. I know that going back to like me in school, something like that would have been beneficial. And yeah. even as a, a, a Black woman in the work, working in corporate, because that's what I do now, it's uh, the stuff that was happening, happening in America around like just race and everything that's been going on and how people have been taking to it mind blowing how people are just so out of touch but I also think like people just don't a lot of people shy away from being uncomfortable like if they don't feel like they're in their element or their zone then they're just like I'm just gonna ignore it and hope it goes away or give a blanket statement or say oh I'm sorry or and or make it about them and how they're feeling uncomfortable and I feel like now's the time to really blow the doors open when it comes to this type of stuff because it's, people are tired. I think that's another thing why I really love your your feed and your page is because it shows like how tired people really are. And as these stories can be anybody, any yeah. one of us. There's so many stories that I read in there and I'm like, yes, yes, mm-hmm. yes. You know, you know, yeah. there needs to be like an uprising or, or, or re- like a renaissance. I don't know what it is. Like, I don't know yeah. the word, but but something because like, you know, people can't keep going on this way. Like, no. And then we can't keep, and I, what drives me crazy is like when it comes to women, when in particular, when we tell our stories or we feel vulnerable and then they're like, well, there's always two sides to it. Oh, you know, oh, our oh. women lie. And I'm like, yeah. people lie. Yeah. <laughs> but 
why would you automatically just go to that defense of like, oh, well, women lie when someone is telling you something so traumatic? And I'm not saying like people don't do things, but it's like, I'm never thinking like, well, I'm just going to automatically discount this, that this person may be lying. I also say like from your page, a lot of people are anonymous. So like, why would you DM and um, have an anonymous like, you know, post if you were just making shit up just because you were bored that day? But, but I just think that what you're doing is very commendable. I am so glad that I found your page and um, had this conversation with you and I think you're doing really great work on yourself and, and what you're putting out into the world. Well, that really means a lot. I really appreciate it. Thank you. I really do. I feel like I have gained so much from this conversation as well. And I really appreciate that. Of course, of course. Anytime. I would love to have you back on eventually. But is there anything else you would like to share with any the audience? Is there any tips or any like a defining moment or a defining thought that you would leave people with or and if not totally fine I know I'm putting you on the spot I I think the best piece of advice for anybody for any reason that they might be tuning in out of anything that we've talked about today would be to be patient with yourself and to really work on showing yourself compassion because that's the key to undoing or working through any of the problems that we might face. And a lot of the obstacles come from that difficulty sitting with ourselves, those deep-seated beliefs that we're the big problem. And even if you can see moments where you have been a problem, you're not the problem. None of this is your fault. You might not understand yourself for now, but there will be a time that you do. So patience and compassion is key. Love it. Thank you so much, Robin. That was beautiful. Everyone, like I said earlier, check out Encounters with Men. Like I said, Robin's feed is life-changing. So support her with on that page and anything else she does in the future. You can check her out on Instagram at Encounters with Men. Yep. Sorry, I interrupted that. I didn't know if you were waiting for me to say it. <laughs> Either way, I'll probably keep it in that way. <laughs> um, but thank you so much for joining me. It was a pleasure. I enjoyed this conversation so much. Same. Thank you so much for having me. Of course.